listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,241, as well as uh, interview number 1,554. Uh, we're the longest-running show headquartered in Orange County, California. have been on the air since March of 2009. Whether it be sports or lessons, having the right coach can be the key to unlocking your true potential. Author Bill Ekstrom and Sarah Wirth are here to talk about their latest book, The Coaching Effect, right? That's right. All right, which helps leaders at all levels understand the necessity of challenging people and creating a high-growth organization. Welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you, Richard. It's fun to be here. It's Thank nice. you very much. It's good to have you both in the studio. I'm so excited. And for those of you watching us live, maybe on YouTube, you can see that we're crammed right in here in the <laughs> beautiful studios of octalkradio.net. Yes, we are. All right, let's start with what's the main idea of your book, The Coaching Effect? And which one of you would like this? I'm going to look at you first. Bill, can you start to answer that question? And then, wow. Sarah, I'll ask you to add to it, okay? Sounds good. All right. The main idea is that nobody will grow, whether it's individuals or organization, as much as they could without having a great coach. So I would say that's the primary driver of information is that coaches have the biggest impact on performance. Or keep in mind, we use the word coach as opposed to leader or manager. We uh -huh. believe leaders and managers need to behave more like a coach to get the most growth out of their teams. Okay. So it's all revolving around how managers and leaders need to behave more like a high growth coach to drive more performance. Okay. Would you like to add something to that, yeah, Sarah? We've spent a lot of time studying what the best coaches and leaders do, and we've been able to take that information and turn it into practical activities, behaviors that other coaches can learn to do as well. So a lot of what our book is, besides the philosophy around coaching like Bill talked about, it's also really practical. If you want to be a great coach, here's exactly what you can do to become one. So it's prescriptive. Absolutely. All right. So now that we've established kind of the main idea of the book, let's back up and talk about the authors a little bit. Okay. okay. So, Sarah's favorite so, topic. Oh. <laughs> We only have 20 minutes. Okay, I'll try to. Uh, just to it highlight. takes me that long yeah. to introduce myself. <laughs> okay, I get that. So, And there's both of you. So uh, how did you two meet, and how did you begin to decide to collaborate on a book? Because that, that's a hard project individually, let alone having to rely on somebody else. So how did you two meet? Which one of those two you do you want You start there. I like the second one. You like the second yeah. part better? Uh, uh, actually, I met... Sarah's husband uh, many years ago and when I was in my last role of EVP working with a publicly traded company I hired her husband okay. and that's the first time that I got to know Sarah was back then and so Sarah and I ended up if you read the book or if you watch this TED talk that I did you'll learn that uh, I was fired for my job which is why I started the company okay and ironically Sarah was fired from the same company <laughs> So I hired her two years after I had started the organization, and that's we met prior to that, but that's how we've been together for almost eight years now with okay. the company. Yeah. And so how the book came about, uh, one of the things we talk about in the book is the importance of doing career discussions with the people that you're coaching and leading and talking to them about what they want to be accomplishing personally and professionally. Bill was having one of these discussions with me, asked me, 
what's my professional dream? And I gave some lame answer and he said, okay, you know, sure, you know, grow the company, whatever, but what do you really want to do? What, what would be, you know, something you'd want to look back on and say you accomplished? And I said, I'd like to write a book. Mm. Uh, and so Bill you know, filed that away in his mind and then submitted um, some of our work and spent some time going to publishers and then all of a sudden surprised me one day and said, hey, we got accepted. So wow. we're writing a book. <laughs> and how long ago was that? About three years ago, I'd say. Yeah. 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 yeah it yeah. took a while to get it written and, and, and uh, go through the publishing yeah, process. I- interrupted a couple different times. Before. <laughs> sure. And it takes on, um, we were literally uh, done writing the man. I was going back looking at our notes. We were done. So the book was released in April of 2019. Right. We were done writing the manuscript in May of 2018. Right? Yeah. So it took, it That's takes a process. that long. It's a process. To, right. yeah. 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 I know after you write, I imagine after you've written the book, you're ready to get it published and then they say, well, it might take uh, <laughs> six or right. nine months, That's maybe exactly a year. Right, you're like, what? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you creative types, right? It's like the people who make movies. They're done with the movie. We and, just want to be right. done. Get it out. Right? Yeah. yeah. Get it out. All right. So I imagine during the writing process, there might have been a few what do we say, creative differences that have come up? Yeah. Did, did you, did, was that a healthy process where you kind of give and take a little bit? Did it make the book better because both of you challenged each other? Yeah. Well, I, I think by the way Sarah and I work together, and we even talk about this in the book, where she's kind of the yin to my yang, and our brains work so much differently anyway. Mm. But we, I, I'm thinking, as I'm sitting here looking at you, I don't, I can't remember a creative difference that we had. We you know? we had to hash through a lot of things. I think probably right. the biggest the biggest obstacle to overcome in writing a book is the idea that you have to communicate in a one way one direction to people one voice yeah, yeah we're right and, and who's going to write what who's going to write what and then on top of that you're so used to having conversations where it's a back and forth and they ask questions and then you comment on something uh, that's what we do when we're teaching our content to a lot of our clients but when you're communicating in a book you just have to be able to anticipate what somebody's thinking mm-hmm. and what they need to know right now and so that was really hard because we're not usually linear communicators. Sure. It goes yeah. all over and Sarah, the quite frankly, is the better educator of, of the two of us. I'm the better storyteller. So when it comes time in the book, when there was a need for a story, uh-huh. or, um, that would be my piece. When it came to chapters where we really needed to be prescriptive, that was uh-huh. Sarah's piece. So she, she just was much better at that than me. So let me ask you, um, having you both being fired did that that, how did that inform both the book and then also how does that affect your coaching practice and the work that you do with clients i mean that is a i'm glad you're both real enough to admit that here on the radio absolutely Um, you're not the first two that have been in the studio you know there it it's not something you wanted to talk about right away. Oh, and, you brought and it I, up, and, and I'd be right. No, but right. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could bring it up. Right? Okay. Yeah. The, um, after I was let go, there was you just. It's not something you want to address. It's not something you're going to go brag about. And it took actually many number a number of years before I 
was really able to be vulnerable with it and, right. and admit it. But the beautiful part about me getting fired is, I mean this quite literally, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I'll bet you wouldn't. Sarah and I wouldn't work together. Anna Absolutely. and I wouldn't work together. We wouldn't be on the radio together. Yeah, you wouldn't have written the book. Wouldn't have written a book had I not been fired. Right. Sarah wouldn't be work, likely working with me Absolutely. had she not yeah. been fired. So... Right. So this forced entrepreneurship can have big dividends, can't it? Well, and one of the big themes of the coaching effect is this idea of getting outside of your comfort zone. Uh And sometimes these events happen because you choose it to happen, and sometimes it's Mm. not your choice. But it forces upon you this new reality that you then have to learn to adapt and deal. And and we've seen through our research, people grow the most when they're outside their comfort zone. So to Bill's point, he probably would never have started his own company if he wouldn't have gotten fired. He never would have done something that kind of brave and outside the box. But he was forced into this situation, and then he had to adapt. And so he grew a lot from it. Same thing for me. You have to get outside your comfort zone if you're really going to be able to grow. And we take that into our coaching work. And and that all ties in because one of the primary themes of the book is – and it was interesting how this all came about. So I had to backtrack for a quick second. So I had the opportunity to do a TED Talk in 2017 where we introduced this concept of growth only occurs in a state of discomfort uh-huh. and a concept called the growth rings. That interrupted the writing of our book. Well, that was another interesting outcome because that changed everything, changed how we wrote the book. Hmm. Because the talk's out over 3 million views. And everybody has all of a sudden jumped on this concept of what we call the growth rings that we describe in the book. And the tie-in to that is a coach, a manager, a leader, their primary job is to create healthy discomfort for people on their team so that they grow. Right. You don't want to fire everybody so they grow, right? Right, exactly. I'm doing you good here, actually. (laughs) Right. You're going to thank me someday, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so that's how it all kind of tied in together. Wow, that's Mm -hmm. powerful. Okay, Mm -hmm. so uh, who's the target audience for your book? When you wrote the book, who's buying it? Yeah. Who's your target market out there, Richard? (laughs) Okay. I mean, literally, it's business owners, CEOs, anybody... Anybody who has a team of people that reports to them, whether I'm a frontline manager all the way up to a CEO of a Fortune 100 company, if you have people that report into you, you need to understand the impact you're having on them or or the impact you could or should have on them. Yeah, and it's interesting. My parents are both teachers, uh, and they were reading the book, and they said, wow, Sarah, this is actually applicable to us. They were a little shocked because it talks about concepts of here's how you help somebody develop and grow and help them get better in terms of their career but also their lives. And so I think it's really relevant as a concept to pretty much anybody that wants to help somebody else grow or they themselves want to grow and develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've had athletic coaches now read it and reach out to us. And uh, I mean, even athletes, you know, just basically on the concept of discomfort and growth. Uh So uh, this is kind of a follow up question to, to that, which is when you get somebody in the room and you explain to them the only way for them, the best way for them to grow is to be, learn to become comfortable with discomfort. Mm-hmm. What's the first response? Because th- th- that may not be the natural human state. Right? Discomfort. We try to avoid that. Absolutely. So how do you get them to get comfortable with the concept of being uncomfortable or 
discomfort. Yeah. One of the things we talk a lot about is is their own growth experiences. And I've found that that's the best way to help somebody understand that they need to get outside of their comfort zone. Because when they think about times in their lives when they grew a lot, starting a new job, maybe a promotion, maybe getting fired, you know, those types of occurrences, that's when they really learned and developed a lot. And and once they kind of reflect on it and they think through, yeah, you're right. You know, I grew when I was kind of forced into a position where I had to either get better or I wasn't going to be successful. And so they've learned over time through their own experiences that they really do grow in times of discomfort. They just have to choose to create it more often rather than waiting for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think understanding as well, Richard, the different environments that impact growth, stagnation, uh, what we refer to order, complexity, which is the, the state where the only environment where growth occurs in chaos, those being the four environments. If people understand how those all work and they can adapt those environments to every, probably every aspect of their life, those pretty much any uh, environment we're in can be defined in one of those, by one of those names, right? Stagnation order, complexity or chaos. And when you walk through that and people understand that there's quite frankly, a lot of aha moments and then people will reflect on it to Sarah's point and then say, wow, I get it now. You know, order with predictable outcomes that brings comfort. Unpredictable outcomes is what makes discomfort, but that's the only place it grows. So, okay. So there's a consciousness that has to evolve. So how do you explain to a leader of a company that uh, to get maximum growth potential out of their people, they must create this healthy sense of discomfort while they're also trying to create an engaged workforce and people who want to stay there. I mean, yeah. how does it not become a negative? Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. it's So really interesting on that. We actually did some research on this just in, in the past few weeks, looking at coaches that did a good job of getting their team members out of, com- out of their comfort zone but who didn't have a great relationship with their team members. And that's the difference between comfort that feels like I'm growing or discomfort that's feeling, Mm -hmm. yeah, like like I'm growing and developing versus it being unhealthy. If you don't have a good relationship with your team members, Absolutely, they're going to see it as a, a bad a environment. Yeah, you're you're, you're just pushing me. You're, <laughs> right, you're exactly. A, you're a jerk. Exactly. Right. Well, it sounds like trust is important. You said absolutely. relationship, but I the word I heard was trust. Same, absolutely. Yeah. That's and that's another good way to say it. Right. Because yeah. if you're going to want me to be vulnerable and to be uncomfortable and to be stretching myself, I may fail. Right. And mm-hmm. if you don't hold that against me because yeah. I'm learning, then I'll try it. But if you if I don't trust you. I'm just giving you ammunition with which to. Right. To, That's right. Yeah. And we're in, along that line. We're in the process of uh, researching pretty extensively the, that concept of psychological safety. Yes. Which ties into this, which is becoming really, really big in the business. Um, well, just in the performance marketplace, right. business or anywhere. So, so um, help me to understand this question since you are researching it and you're experts here. <laughs> and I should continue to mention that I have two authors. The book is The Coaching Effect. Bill Ekstrom and Sarah Worth are here. And we're talking about their latest book, which just came out earlier this year. And I said it, The Coaching Effect. So how do you, when you're working with people, do you see that the the younger two generations in the workforce are driving this need to have managers or coaches or Honestly, it's always been this way. We just never paid as much attention to it as we should have in the past. Is this a millennial generational thing, yeah. or is this a human condition that we're just now kind of 
getting a realization to? So like you mentioned, we are researchers, so we do <laughs> like to look at questions like the one you just asked. And one of the things that we found is that the older generations in the workforce absolutely perform better when they have this type of coach, the one who builds oh. trust with them, a relationship, is able to get them outside their comfort zone. That works across the generations for coaching. What's different with the millennials is that they expect that. So the older generations still benefit from it, but the millennials are saying, this is how it should be. Um, the, the and they'll old, leave without it. Yeah, exactly. The older generations don't demand it as much, even though they respond well to it. Okay. And we're now seeing Gen Z coming in. So millennials, you had your moment in the sun, but stand aside now because Gen Z's coming into the workforce, baby. And one of the things that I've heard, and tell me if this is in your purview as well, is that we can't assume just because they look like the millennials, their motivations are the same as the millennials. In other words, Gen Z may not be just an extension of Gen X. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Gen Y. I, yes, to answer that. And while I think it's important to understand those, those subtleties, uh, whether they be small or glaring yes. between the generations, when it comes to coaching, you want to have that knowledge, but it's somewhat insignificant. Okay. In, in, in the sense way? that everybody's unique anyway. If we look at, um, say, another person that's in this room, Anna, who's our director of marketing, she doesn't fit almost any millennial stereotype. She works, she comes in early, she stays late. There's, you know, most of, so if you want to label her like a millennial, she doesn't behave like one. Right. So when you coach her, she has to be coached uniquely. Okay. As does everybody. Everybody's order, everybody's complexity, everybody's comfort and discomfort are all unique and different. Yes. So while it's wise to understand it, if I'm a great coach, it's somewhat insignificant to my coaching. Okay. Do you ever get a business leader who says, I'm not a coach of my people. I'm their <laughs> boss. How can I be their boss and a coach at the same time? Yes. <laughs> and what Many. You, and what do you say to them? <laughs> you know, again, to Bill's point, everybody's different. But one of the things that, especially if you're talking to a CEO, they seem to respond to a lot is putting the data in front of them. I mean, that's that's been a huge part of our journey is actually being able to link up these coaching behaviors and activities to results, to right. improved sales numbers. And when you can show improved sales numbers to a CEO, then they start to listen a little bit differently. Right. That is absolutely true. Yeah. There needs to be an ROI on this expense. If I'm going right. to change, I want the cash and, register. And, and they should. I mean, that should right. be a prerequisite. Yeah. Isn't it sort of getting them out of their comfort zone? It totally. is. So it it's is. actually using the coaching effect on them. Yeah. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When we work with organizations, we're disruptors. And we have to let them know that, that we're going to be showing them some data because we measure their current effectiveness as leaders and coaches. Ooh. And we can literally give them a number. And that creates discomfort in and of itself. Right. And then we're going to tell them to change behaviors to, to get more out of their teams. And on most people, and it's, we say this in the book, it's just over 40%, aren't willing to change anyway. So quite literally, you could show 40% of anybody in a management or leadership role, what we'll call a coach, information on how to quite literally, get more performance from their team. And in sales, if you do these things, your team, your team will sell more stuff. Yes. 40% still won't do it. Right. They're not. Because it's so hard to get out of order. Right. And in a complexity. Right. It's different. 
yes. So um, you kind of talked around it, and I want to make sure I, I ask you, what other resources are available that you, from your company to support the concepts and the IP within the coaching effect? You, you, what well, else do you th- do? Thank you, by the way, for mentioning the book. The book, number one. Um, number two, um, I think the TED Talk is, is a good, it's called Why Comfort Will Ruin Your Life. Um, you always need a good title when you give a TED Talk. Yeah, Absolutely. I know, right? Yeah. Gotta be. Which is surprising that with the title like that, it would uh, cause so much uh, interest. We have what we call the Growth Rings Indicator, um, okay. which is newly developed. And all, and all these are free resources. It stands the book. That's at all the great bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. But the Growth Rings Indicator, it, individuals can take it, and it helps them understand kind of where within these growth rings they sit in their life, whether they're in a uh, state of stagnation or order or complexity and, and where within those growth rings they sit. Mm. And it's really kind of fascinating to see where you stand within those er- within those environments. And if yeah. someone wants to take that assessment, how would they do that? Yeah, Just- they go to our website, excelinstitute.com. It's E-C-S-E-L-L institute.com okay. uh, and they can get the growth rings they can uh, they can go through that quiz there they can get the ted uh, there's, talk oh, there's lots of white, white papers, papers yeah, all tons kinds of, of information that are just free resources that people can get right Absolutely. Mm-hmm. so how do they get your podcast richard well we're everywhere right? <laughs> iTunes and stitcher and youtube and you'll find it um so what did you was there anything that you learned about this concept of coaching that you didn't really realize before you put the effort into writing the book and organizing your thoughts? Uh, uh, yes, and, and that's a great question. It's not so much before we, it was before we wrote the book, which was one of the motivators to writing the book, and that was the concept of discomfort. We were. We knew relationships mattered. We knew they had to have good organizational skills, or great processes, and accountability. But there was something that we weren't finding. And the more we dug into the research, the discomfort component came out, and we're like, "Oh my gosh!" But why discomfort? And then we began work with a PhD in org behavior and leadership, and the Sarah and I came and this person we kind of put all our thoughts together and that's when this came spitting out that growth only occurs while in a state of discomfort so that was the for me that was i don't know about you sir if there was another one for you no i think that was probably our biggest aha um simply because you you hear so much about employee satisfaction uh and happy employees and and we like happy employees too but happy employees alone aren't always the best right. producers. And so it was, a, it was kind of a surprise to understand that, you know, actually what the great coaches do is they challenge you and push you. And at times you may not like hearing it, but so long as you Except trust them. you always like hearing from me. Yeah, right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so long as you trust them and you know that they have your best interest at heart, You'll go with them, and and you'll you know allow them to challenge you and push you and get you outside of your comfort zone. But that was a surprise to yeah. understand that that's what the best coaches do. Yeah, in, you know, in the research, when we see when we see coaches are that have great relationships, and that's where it stops. That there there's no complexity to the relationships at all. They drive no discomfort. Uh-huh. They don't score as well. Their teams don't sell as much. They don't perform as high as levels. The athletes don't play as hard as they do when coach creates that discomfort on right. top of it. Boy, that is, uh, I wish we had more time on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast because I think it's fascinating the natural tension that exists between 
people's psychological safety mm -hmm. and the need to be a bit in the outside their comfort zone mm -hmm. to really achieve new skills that that takes um that's why you guys have a business yeah that's why you're helping so many people because that's just not a natural thing that everybody rolls out of bed and knows how to do right. and Absolutely. and in the wrong hands that sounds like something that you could overdrive one side or the other oh my so, gosh so there's a yeah. balance that yep. is required you're describing there, it right? well richard yeah right. but i mean that's what i'm learning from this conversation and mm -hmm. from your book so this is an interesting concept that requires uh, reading the buying the book, reading the book, <laughs> and go. then if you have additional questions, contacting at least you two, right? Sure. All Absolutely. Right. We'd Why love not? to hear from anybody. Well, this has been great. Thank you, Sarah, for making this all happen. I appreciate the fact that you sent me a copy of your book and that you're here in the studio today. I know you're visiting clients in Southern California. That's yeah, why we're, we're actually doing a, a workshop, a yeah. coaching that's named after the book. We're doing a coaching effect workshop in, okay. in uh, Newport Beach. Newport Beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Newport Beach tomorrow morning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> Someone's listening to the live stream. Could they register? Or is they it a close? All right. Could. Well, you're not too late. See, Come on down wrong. to the Hyatt Regency yeah. at Newport Beach. Oh, my gosh. On a, what is that, a Wednesday morning? <laughs> yeah. right. A little yep. lost track of time here. Yep. Well, thank you both for being friends of the program and sharing a bit of your knowledge and writing the book and doing the work you're doing with so many coaches slash business owners and CEOs. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Well, Richard, thank, thank you, you very much. You're a gentleman. Appreciate it. I enjoyed the time together. Uh, I'd like to thank our engineer for today, Mr. Paul Roberts, and my three producers, without whom we could not do this show. You know who you are, but I'd like to mention you each show. Joan Park, who's been with us for four years. Crystal Nunley, who's been with us for five years. And our newest producer, Nicole Terry, who normally is in the studio. Good thing she's not here today because it's a little bit full. She's actually <laughs> back at class at Fullerton. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, I'd say let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.